Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAP's Board of View podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose things on anyone's eyes. Each week we take a high topic and talk about the why and the how. What are we talking about this week? Today we're talking about macular telangiectasias, which I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, I think is the same thing as what the BCSC calls a parafoveal telangiectasia. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the, sure yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, or or the, another term is idiopathic juxtafoveal telangiectasia. There's a lot of terms for it. Ugh, it's the same thing. It's just weird. In same. Just, don't don't lump me into that. No, yeah, I'm a general quit. ophthalmology resident. I'm a general <laughs> ophthalmology resident. How dare you lump me in with those guys? <laughs> mm, mm, good thing you already got in. <laughs> this isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. This isn't a great like sell for my like interviews, but I'm. Authority match, so um, okay. Yeah, so, so what, what um, is this besides confusing? What actually is it, Benjamin? Y- yeah, good, good question. I don't know if anyone knows. Broadly speaking, how people define it is a capillaropathy. So, problem with the <laughs> that's capillaries. when you know you've given up. <laughs> it's a capillaropathy. Capillaropathy. Capillaritis. That, aff- that affects the posterior pole. It, it's usually, as some of the names imply, it's usually next to the fovea it starts next to the fovea and they can expand from there so to categorize them there there's actually like three subtypes the third one is like super rare that we won't i don't think is um worthy of discussion in the board review episode but um there so there so there's two types to talk about one is type one and the other is type two well let me go over quickly what type one is and then i'll hand over type two to you andrew but type one is thought to be developmental and it's thought to be on the coat spectrum. So we'll probably do an, a separate episode on coats disease. But it, it's sort of probably like a more mild version of coats. And classically, it's unilateral. You can remember that because type 1, so number 1, unilateral. And it's basically kind of the aneurysmal type. So it makes an aneurysm like in coats disease, which can cause exudation and all these things. But so type 1 is a developmental, unilateral, aneurysmal problem thought to be on the coat spectrum. And honestly, that's all we're going to say on type one in this episode. Wait, wait we'll... I have a little bit more. Okay, fine. I have actually just one more thing. Type one. Uh, like it is, if you do know anything about coats already, you know it's mostly just in boys, in men. And same for this. It's more, if there's a gender predilection, it's for men. So type one is male, um, which is distinct from type two, thankfully, which is both genders. It's also got another weird name. If you ever hear of another thing that Dr. Labor got his hands on, labor miliary aneurysm is sometimes said to be another name for type 1 Macatel. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That, that terminology does come up a lot. That's a popular way to phrase, um, to, to the popular term to call Macatel. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't actually called it mactel yet but that's what we're gonna say for oh, the rest yeah. of the episode yeah that's what the cool kids call it it's mactel which is not really remember. an abbreviation yeah i was just like what? looking for the entire through the entire textbook as a first year what is what is this mactel they're talking about i could only find parafoveal telangiectasia <laughs> anyway <laughs> same whatever. thing yeah type okay andrew what two. yeah c- contrast it what is it when type one was developmental type two is acquired Whereas type 1 was unilateral, type 2 is bilateral. And again, type 1 usually just in dudes, type 2 for both 
of the two genders. Uh, otherwise, it's associated with diabetes and hypertension, like almost everything else. And that's all I got. Yeah, and in terms of age, because just to go along with it being acquired, it usually hmm, um, becomes right. apparent at ages like the mid fifties to sixties is when that usually becomes apparent that it's there. Yeah. Thanks. What causes it? Who knows? I don't. Yeah, no one um, knows. It's, it's, it's you have written here, helpfully, maybe Mueller cell loss, which would somehow Question lead mark? to loss of retinal pigments. Yeah, that's um, what Ryan says. Thank you, Ryan's retina. Did I but, know uh, that Mueller cells specifically helped support retinal pigments? I'm not sure that I did. I thought Mueller cells were just good at supporting everything, so... <laughs> Yeah. But what is known is what happens in the sequence of events in its natural history, right? Yeah. Let's tell a story about MacTel Type 2, which is what the rest of the episode is going to be about. So it has like a kind of characteristic progression pattern. This is not a rule, but this is typically what happens. And I think if you're going to remember one thing from this episode, it's that how it starts which it, for some reason, usually starts in the temporal paraphobia. And um, like the very first sign of it is subtle loss of transparency or the foveal reflex. So, you know, basically the retina may look a little bit more opaque in the temporal paraphobia or the foveal light reflex won't be quite as prominent. You know, the ILM sheen won't be quite quite as prominently there. Then um, you can get dilation of the parafoveal capillaries. And honestly, if you look at pictures of this, it's like really, I mean, to me, it looks pretty subtle, but it can, you can be distinguished uh, fundoscopically. And then eventually it's not just like an arc, in the per temporal parafovia eventually become like a whole ring around the fovea and it can involve the fovea itself. For some reason, they can get crystalline deposits at that vitro-retinal interface. So where, where we lost that sheen and we lost that transparency of the retina, you can get crystalline deposits that eventually develop in its in that place. And then like one more kind of classic thing that the vessels do in MacTel is so normally, you know, as vessels leave the optic nerve, they get thinner. You know, normally they um you, you know, the further out from the optic nerve your vessel is, the thinner it gets. But the closer in, in MacTel, the closer they get to the fovea, then they can start to dilate. And they make this classic right angle turn. Like if you look at it, it looks like it's diving in, like sharply diving into the deeper retina. And so that, that's like a classic kind of right angle turn um, that, that one can see in a parafoveal capillary in MACTEL type 2. Uh, what else can you see, Andrew? Besides, so th that's kind of the vascular components of MACTEL. What else can you see? You can get hyperplasia of the RPE. And also, pigment in the retina itself can become more apparent. As Ben says, you can see a black spot there. And all of this can eventually lead to retinal atrophy. One point that's made in the text is that this isn't just hyperplasticity of the RPE. It actually might even be migration of the RPE. And lucky for wherever the RPE is going, unlucky for wherever the RPE is leaving, I assume. So, Right. And as a result of that, that atrophy, you can have macular holes, either just lamellar holes or outright full thickness ones. And you've got a great uh, caveat here, Ben. As Whereas we talked for an entire other episode about how you can surgically treat macular holes, 
for this. It's not going to do anything to try to fix it because there's just com- no tissue there anymore. It is atrophic. Right. Like in the in shout out to Jay Shreeder who did a guest episode for us about macular holes. Yep. But as he told us, you know, mac holes are a separation of tissue, whereas here. You have, well, I mean, mac holes, okay, it's not just separation tissue. You can have tissue loss. There can be tissue loss. Like, it it becomes like an operculum where it goes into the vitreous. But here you have, like, frank atrophy, and the RP is also, um, you know, dysfunctional. So even if you were somehow able to close it, then um, presumably the RP would cause retinal atrophy in that same area. So, yeah. And then just a little bit more about those lamellar holes. So often they're kind of tilted towards the temporal side because, again, for some reason... MAC tells start temporally or more prominent temporally. And sometimes because you're just losing tissue within the retina, they can have this thin walled roof. So it can look like what you'd expect a lamellar hole to look like, but there's like a little thin roof on top of it. So it's actually like an enclosed space. So some people might mistake it for a cyst or something, but really it's a telltale sign of MAC tell. No pun intended. Okay, so we, we talked a lot about what, you know, kind of the natural course is of MACTEL, but, you know, spoilers, none of this is treatable. It's just something you have to follow. What is a manifestation of MACTEL that is treatable, though, Andrew? What's the one thing a retina specialist loves doing more than anything else? Educating that... their peers. <laughs> and just as long as you stay away from my eyes with your injections. Neovascularization is what can happen in the later stages of this process. Usually it happens, again, just temporal to the fovea, and it can be really hard to say whether it's MACTEL or whether it's something else like CNV from AMD, macular degeneration. But in either case, the downstream effects are the same, leading to hemorrhages, exudates, edema, scarring, etc., and thankfully, the treatment is also the same and possible, at least. Yeah, but uh, just like in other forms of retinal problems, as long as there's fluid, as long as there's a choroidal neovascularization, great, because you can treat that. But once the atrophy sets yeah. in, you're, it's yeah. game over. Okay, so how to diagnose it? Well, we talked a little bit about what it would look like in OCT and just, you know, on fundoscopic exam. One thing... That is like pretty unique to MACTEL is what it looks like on fundus autofluorescence. So just as like a brief review, because we haven't done an episode, maybe we should do an episode sometime about like FA and like OCT, like RNFL and OCT Mac and stuff, Andrew, you know, like all the imaging, like do like imaging episodes. It's difficult in an audio format, but oh my God. yeah, that'd be really hard. That'd but, be so okay, hard. Well, we won't... <laughs> Hypofluorescent, hyperfluorescent, hypofluorescent, hypofluorescent. Okay, whatever. So, so okay. So, just a brief review of what funnus autofluorescence is: is it looks for structures that are autofluorescent naturally within, typically within the retina. So, as a general rule, junk autofluoresces. So, what I mean by that is waste products tend to be hyper, tend to autofluoresce. Um, the most common compound we talk about is lipofusion, which is essentially a waste product of RPE. But spoilers, lipofusion actually is not like a distinct molecule. It's just a broad name for brown junk that a lot of cells, different cells make. You know, we learn about them in, within other disease processes in med school too. So anyways, so this junk autofluoresces 
And the RPE is always producing a little bit of this junk. So you'll see a little bit of this stuff auto fluorescing. And typically there is a um, dark spot in the center, like right at the fovea. And the reason behind that is that's where you have, I think all the way back in our first episode, we talked about the macula lutea, which is the yellow spot that is the ret within the actual retina because there's increased pigments within the retina, especially at the fovea. So those pigments block that autofluorescence from coming through from the RPE. So it's basically where there's like a little, like a little uh, shield over the RPE that uh, you wouldn't see this autofluorescence. So in MacTel, you would lose that little blocking effect right at the fovea. It would look relatively uniform across because you've lost macular pigment, which is characteristic in MacTel. So if you do a fundus autofluorescence and you notice that the foveal normally hypo autofluorescent spot is gone, then you really should think about MacTel and you know get an OCT um, and take a very good look at their capillaries and what what um, and arterioles and what what it would whether they make right angle turns. Okay. Um, and we were going to talk about treatment, but Andrew already talked about treatment, which is, um, yeah, anti bench off. And that's that's all we really have about Mac tells. So, so as a, just a brief review, Mac tells macular telangiectasias are capillary apathies that affect the posterior pole. Type one is a developmental Coats-like syndrome uh, problem that is typically unilateral and causes um, capillary aneurysms, whereas type two is acquired and bilateral, which you can remember because it's type two, so two for bilateral. So, and it usually happens in um, adults 50, ages 50s and above. The natural history is you have start to see subtle uh, uh, effects in the temporal parafovia, so not right in the fovea, but in the parafovia, that eventually expands into a ring-like form and has uh, vessels that have a characteristic right angle turn where they appear to be diving straight into the deeper retina. They can have RPI hyperplasia as well as retinal atrophy and can develop lamellar or even full thickness macular holes, again, typically in that temporal parafovia. As Andrew discussed, there's no treatment for that natural form that we talked about, but sometimes they can develop neovascularization that can be treated with anti-VEGF. And lastly, we talked already reviewed what um, it can look like on OCT, but on fundus autofluorescence, it can also lose the natural hypoautofluorescence center. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes4ears with the number four. We also have our website, eyes4ears.com with the number four also. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, a rating or review on iTunes, wherever you find our podcast, is very helpful. And that's all we have for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.